I'll always love my mama. She's my favorite girl. What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual group therapy for everyone affected by Tony Stark's Snap. What's up? What's up? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yet another episode of After the Snap. And on this here episode today, we gonna celebrate mama. How about that? Thank you. If you've been here before, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time here, welcome to the show. Welcome to the party. You call me on a day where we about to celebrate mama. Because every hero has one, right? Can't deny. Most of the major superhero movies, we've seen them interact with their mother or mother figure. And it gives you a feeling of whether she has imprinted herself on his psyche to the point where the things that she instilled in him or her are what makes that person a hero. And yes, so celebrating mothers here in North America is uh, Sunday is Mother's Day and my mother is no longer with me however if you still have your mom hug her extra tight today give her a great big old hug let her know she's appreciated and have her sit down and say hey mom let's listen to after the snap And see how these heroes, mothers, have formed them into the people that they are. And thank her for forming you into the person that you are. How about that? I think that's a great idea. We're also going to have some news on the other side of this Mother's Day presentation. So, I'm giving you my top, I think, 11. Or no, I think it was 10. Because 10 makes more sense than 11. I'm giving you my top 10 moms in comic book or sci-fi TV and movies. And since I don't often uh, talk television with you, we're going to start, number one, with Lynn Pierce. And she's from Black Lightning. So Lynn Pierce is mother to Anissa and Jennifer. And when it comes to her babies, she does not play. She is extremely protective over her superpowered daughters. She is shown as an independent, intelligent, and a bit of a rebel. She isn't Black Lightning's damsel in distress. She's capable of killing for her kids. She picked up a weapon and blasted fools for coming for her girl. So not only is she 
independent, intelligent, bit of a rebel, she will kill a fool for coming at her kids. But that's not who she is because she will also heal you. She is a neuroscientist by trade. Lynn Pierce is the first on the list of kick-ass moms in comic book television. Moving along, number two on my list of kick-ass moms. This one is in movies. We're sticking around in D.C. though because it is Atlanta. It's also known as Aquaman and Orm's mama. If Aquaman is a badass and we know that he is, make no mistakes, he get it from his mama. In that iconic fight scene, we see her protect her child and his dad. She took out all of the soldiers sent to bring her back to Atlantis with no help. Then she voluntarily went back so they'd stop looking for her and her child. And that took a level of love that a lot of people underestimate as well. To separate yourself from your child takes a lot of love. It takes a lot of love. Uh, number three, we're heading to Marvel, to the MCU. We're going with Frigga, queen of Asgard, mother to Thor and Loki. And besides keeping the peace between all three of the men in her life, she kind of approached motherhood according to the needs of the child. And she shared magic with Loki because Odin and Thor cast such large shadows. And she also took him books when he was imprisoned in the Asgardian dungeon. She protected Thor's girlfriend, even sacrificing her life at the hands of Malekith after one hell of a fight scene of her own, Frigga got hands. And then even in death, she inspired Loki to fight alongside Thor to avenge her. Also, the directors of Endgame, man, the directors of Endgame did the seemingly impossible. And in that, what they did is they made Dark World a relevant MCU movie. Because in Endgames, she imparted motherly advice and guidance to Thor. You know, she knew that he was from the future and that he was troubled. She gave him some timely advice. Now, everyone fails at who they are supposed to be. The real measure of a person, of a hero, is how well they succeed at being who they are. And also, eat a salad. Frigga, y'all. Frigga. Number four, going back to D.C., Number four, Rosa Vasquez. Yep. I bet you a lot of you don't even know who the hell Rosa Vasquez is. She is Billy Batson's foster mom. Right. She connected with those kids in her home because of her own childhood. Uh, she cared for them. She gave them a place to call home. And then even though Billy had only recently been placed with the family, with her and her husband... Rosa took it very hard when she thought that he ran away. The panic was evident when she thought that he might be somewhere and be unsafe. And although she's not biologically related to any of those children, she most certainly is their mother. Moving along, we're getting halfway through. We're at number five. 
At number five, we are we have Aunt May. We could put, pick any Aunt May from any of the Spider-Man incarnations, but I'm connected spiritually with the MCU Aunt May. She is all Peter Parker has and vice versa. She talks to him like in a down-to-earth manner, making it clear that he can share anything with her. Before she discovers his secret identity, she finds moments to advise him on what to do in dangerous situations. Uh, she doesn't overreact when he gets into a fight, quote-unquote fight. Again, leaving the door open for him to talk to her. Bottom line is, she loves him, and she understands him. And she, it just reminds me of the relationship between an aunt and a nephew. That is something that it's, it's hard to understand. It's like being a mother and a friend. I don't have to. I, I can impart discipline or I can go out and, and play a little basketball with my nephews. It's not a situation where I have to overbearingly parent <laughs> I'm pretty sure my son is like, oh my God, there's my mama. Whereas my nephews might have thought, okay, my aunt, she a little cool. She come out, she hoop with us, <laughs> you know, she can talk these comic book movies. This is what I used to do with my nephews, uh, Joshua and Elijah and my son, Quinn. When these movies came out, we'd go together. So this is, this is the type of bond nephews and aunties have, and that is Exactly why I picked, I chose Aunt May to be on the list of badass moms because, yes, she has to play the, the primary caretaker role, but she is an aunt. And that is a special, special bond between nephews and their aunties. Okay, number six, Stan in the MCU, Meredith Quill. Star-Lord's mom. And although we met her as she was on her deathbed, her devotion and love for Peter Quill emanated from her. She passed away when he was only eight years old, but she is imprinted on his life, including his love for music and also what he chose for his outlaw name because he was first Meredith's little Star-Lord. Meredith Quill, y'all. Number seven. We're coming from um, Pixar. That's Elastigirl. Helen Parr. She is mother to Violet, Dash, and Jack-Jack. She is a witty wife and mother who cautiously cares for her family's well-being because supers are outlawed and she is aware of her children's special abilities. So she initially used her powers to be the ultimate supermom, but later we see her use them to protect her children, rescue her husband, and save the day. Um, her passion and drive are the glue that holds her family together. And that is Elastigirl. Number eight. Laura Laura Van from Man of Steel, mother to Kal-El. Uh, she first showed her devotion as a mother by giving birth naturally, which was illegal on Krypton. 
So she and her husband were aware of uh, Krypton's imminent implosion. So they made plans to send their child to Earth so he didn't perish with the planet. Laura had the fears that most parents have when sending their baby somewhere alone. And she did it tearfully. She put her baby in that spaceship and she gave him the best chance at life. She found the strength to send Kaleo to Earth. Which brings us to number nine. Martha Kent from Man of Steel. Adoptive mother to Clark Kent. She first found an alien baby and decided with her husband to raise him as their own. So she showered Clark with love and support, taught him to rein in his superpowers. Because remember, he was getting sensory overload. He was hearing too much and seeing too much. And it was it was literally driving this kid crazy. She taught him to rein his senses in. She showed bravery and loyalty to her son when she was confronted by Zod. And she instilled in Clark everything good between from her husband and from herself. She was a hero first before we got Superman. Boom. Boom. Number 10. You know what? I think I lied. I, I got 11. <laughs> Number 10. Hippolyta. And I know a lot of people will argue. She was the definition of tough love. She is mother to Diana of Themyscira. And although she was very overprotective, Hippolyta absolutely loves her child. Her holding back parts of Diana's heritage was meant to conceal her from Ares. It wasn't to hide her from herself. She didn't want her to have to uh, worry about Ares coming for her because he finds out that she's a demigod. So when she finally consented to Diana having combat training, she ordered Antiope that to train her harder than any Amazon before her. No nepotism here. You're going to fight and you're going to be able to defend yourself against a god. When that god comes here and tries to take you out, you're going to be ready. And then when she allows her daughter to go into the world of men, she arms her, she gives her love, and then she tells her she can't come back. In that moment, she's teaching her that the rules apply even to her. You're a demigod, but you still have rules. These rules would apply to any of your Amazon sisters, so they apply to you too. No special treatment. And that's a tough lesson for parents to sometimes teach. So I take my hat off to Hippolyta because that was tough love. Last, but absolutely not least, we're going to go to the Star Trek universe because y'all know I'm a Trekkie, right? And I'm pretty sure some people are going to say, well, why didn't she say the ones from Star Wars? Because I don't Star Wars. I don't. My last but not least is Amanda Grayson, mother to Spock and Michael Burnham. She is devoted to her children 
and is intent on them not only being taught the ways of Vulcan, but also exploring their humanity. Um, in this season of Discovery, she protected Spock when an active manhunt was underway for him, even harboring him. And then to locate him, she stole important documents, proving she would do anything, anything to protect her child. Amanda Grayson, with the toughest job in the world, loving a Vulcan, <laughs> you know, and actively showing love to some Vulcans. That's what's up. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is my top 11 badass mamas from comic book and sci-fi movies and TV. And I'm pretty sure I missed some people. I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me that you would have added A, B, or C to this list. And I'm giving you an opportunity to do that. Contact me in one of a million ways. I'm going to give you all of my social medias and my email address and my website address at the end of the show. What I was going to tell you when my small announcements is I was going to start a new podcast. And that podcast is going to be about me getting into the Star Wars universe. But I thought, why not just make it a segment on After the Snap? So, After the Snap, Make Me a Jedi, is going to be a small segment every week where I uh, watch a Star Wars movie, cartoons, whatever, some type of Star Wars content. And I am determined to become a Jedi or bust by December of this here year. So I know that a new Star Wars movie, Episode 9, Rise of the Skywalker, I think that's what it's called. I know that that movie is coming out. I've got, what, like six months to get myself together to be able to understand where, get myself caught up. I've got about six months to get myself caught up to become a Jedi. I'm thinking I'll do that on Tuesdays where I'll tell you what Star Wars content I have consumed and how I felt about it and how close do I think I am to coming over to the dark side. (laughs) Because I call it the dark side. Uh, I'm a Trekkie, but I'm going to try. And that's all they can ask, right? It's for me to try. And while we're talking about Star Wars, word on the street is that Disney has pulled the plug on Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy. So this has not been announced officially from Disney. In fact, I've told you guys on numerous occasions that I am a huge John Campia fan and that I follow him regularly on his YouTube shows and this I think it was the day before yesterday or yesterday very recently John Campia announced that he had a source who has been a reliable source in the uh, in the past and this source has told him that Ryan Johnson is no longer attached to Star Wars as far as directing that that trilogy that he was uh, 
slated to direct, but that he will be a consultant. He'll consult on the uh, guys from Game of Thrones. So they're going to be doing their trilogy and he will be consulting with them. He will be somebody that they can come to for advice if needed, but he is no longer attached to the project and that is to the chagrin of a lot of Star Wars fans but because I I don't Star Wars <laughs> because I don't Star Wars I don't really know how good or bad this is for the fandom so if you Star Wars and you have an opinion let me know what your opinion is write me uh, when I give you my information let me know how you feel about Ryan Johnson basically uh, be departing the directorial role that he had over a trilogy of Star Wars movies. Also, I'm sure a part of big part of the fandom, everybody saw that uh, Disney has released all these dates that they are going to be releasing movies over the next say five years. And I'm not, I'm not going to give you any information on those dates because right now there's no titles attached to any of them. They're just Marvel project, Star Wars prep project, Avatar project, this project, you know, I, I need to have something concrete to go on. And I, even though I have a feeling of what movies could be coming out when, I kind of would like to know. I kind of would like to know what their direction is uh, concerning all of these dates that they released. I do see, however, that they have pushed that Avatar date once again. And then Avatars will be coming out every other year, I think, starting in 2021. And right now we're looking at five, up, up to Avatar 5. So, Avatar 2 through 5 over the next, God, a lot of years. <laughs> and um, those will be interchanging with the Star Wars movies. Um, those movies will be coming out for sure around Christmas because that is just Star Wars time. And then Avatar also has a time. And those times are right around Christmas. So, that date... In December, we pretty much can pencil in Avatar and Star Wars interchangeably every other year. Anyway, the superhero horror film New Mutants has had its release pushed again. So that's it's set to premiere on April 3rd, 2020, and that's two years after the original after the original release date. Of April 2018 so that is bad news because a lot of the actors and actresses were young adults uh, for for new mutants so by the time we see this movie they're they're going to be different people totally you know for instance I've got a nephew who was 15 years old and then I have a nephew also who's 21 years old. And, you know, they're in Indiana. And I'll sometimes call and I'll think I'm talking to one when I'm really talking to the other one. 
because my 15-year-old nephew's voice has changed so rapidly. He he sounds like his oldest, his older brother. Uh, voice is very deep. Then when I look at pictures of him, I'm like, I don't hardly recognize him. And that's because kids change a whole hell of a lot between them being, say, 12 years old and them being 16 years old. They switch up. He's got like little little beginnings of facial hair. The kid switched up on me. He's damn near grown. And when we're looking at, by the time this movie comes out in 2020, it initially was supposed to come out in 2018. It was a trailer for the movie came out in October of 2017. So those three years, those three years mean an awful lot when we're dealing with young adults maybe not with my old ass and the difference between three years is just a couple more gray hairs a couple more pounds <laughs> with a teenager or a young adult a lot changes in that two or three years so it's going to be nice to see how disney gets out of this one um james cameron has congratulated Avengers Endgame for passing Titanic in the highest grossing movie category. See, some people thought James Cameron was going to be bitter. That movie, Titanic, was either number one or number two at the in the whole worldwide box office for over 20 years. What What is there to be bitter about? He has already proven that it took 20 years for anybody to touch Titanic. And it's taken 10 years for anybody to touch, even to threaten Avatar. Because it hasn't been touched yet. It's just being threatened. And then, James Cameron has the knowledge that he's coming out with Avatar 2. No telling what new piece of technology he will unveil with that movie. So no, James Cameron doesn't have any reason to be bitter. This might just make him step his game up. You get what I'm saying? And besides that, my understanding is that he is at least very cordial. Maybe friendly even with the Russos. So that would be, you know, friendly competition. And they're all under the same umbrella because you're right if you say Disney now owns Avatar and Titanic they are they're under that umbrella so Disney basically has every damn thing it's either Disney owns it or Zoe Saldana is getting a paycheck from it one way or the other <laughs> it's all under Disney's umbrella Disney yeah, I don't want to say the M word, and I'm not going to, because I don't have an issue with started from the bottom, now we here. You know, um, they kind of came up the ranks and bought and earned money by working hard and made an offer that uh, another company couldn't refuse. So, yes, it is looking like an M but I don't, I almost don't mind it because there are other companies who, if they would like to 
go ahead and put their money in the arena, they would be able to acquire more properties to strengthen their portfolios. I don't want it to be, you know, just two or three movie houses going, but I mean, I, I'm almost not mad at Disney, even though it is looking rather M. Okay, if you don't know the M word that I'm alluding to, I'm going to need you to go to mcuafterthesnap.com, which, by the way, is the webpage for the podcast. <clears throat> and I'm figuring out what I'm doing, and things are starting to look better already. Once I just really put my mind to how do I make this look cleaner, sleeker, look like somebody knows what they're doing, and I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, mcuafterthesnap.com. Read the blog post associated with this episode, and you will see what M word I'm talking about. So, yeah, Avengers Endgame is, though, still really threatening. It's like punching this little hand and telling it I'll meet you outside. It is threatening, Avatar. I, I, I said in one of my episodes that I'm not 100% sure that it's going to catch it. I think now it, I am positive it's going to catch it. <laughs> Even though that was like maybe a week ago that I wasn't sure. I think I'm sure now that it's going to catch it. It's just a matter now of when. Speaking last but not least of Avengers Endgame. It's going to hit Disney Plus on December 11th. Why do why we know that already? I guess that's supposed to be just one more reason to hurry up and uh, subscribe to Disney Plus, which comes out November, I think it's 12th or 13th, right around my nephew's, my older nephew's birthday. So November 12th or 13th, that's how I remember things. And one month later, you're going to be getting the biggest movie of 20... I think it's safe to say it's the biggest movie of 2019. Uh, we'll be getting that to Disney+. Plus. And also, Captain Marvel is going to be the first MCU offering that is offered first on Disney+. Plus. So you got those things to look forward to with Disney+. Plus. I am just like, fuck it, just take my money. Just take my money. Because... I don't have a choice. I have to give it to you because I have to have Disney Plus. Especially if I'm becoming a Jedi and I need to watch The Mandalorian. And everything else. You, I mean, you guys are going to have it all on Disney Plus. And all of that before December. So, I kind of have to get it, right? Kind of have to get it. So, yes. I'm going to be made a Jedi. We're going to, uh, let's see, talk on Tuesday, though, on this next installment of After the Snap. We're going to cover some more news and then do some X-Men talk ahead of Dark Phoenix. Of course, we're going to see what I've gotten into, see where I'm at in this whole Make Me a Jedi mission, and we are going to... Yeah, all of that. 
We're going to do all that. Now, I need you to do some things for me. Like, like and follow me on my social medias. On social media, uh, on Facebook, I am at After the Snap. On Twitter, I'm at Snap After. And on Instagram, I am at After the Snap 2018. Subscribe to mcuafterthesnap.com. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Get on my email list. Subscribe on all of the podcast platforms, just all of them. Wherever you're listening to me right now, there should be a favorites or a subscribe or a like. There should be something that you could press right this second and then you won't miss an episode. It'll just show up. Be one of the first things you see when you sign into your podcast platform of choice. Last but not least, donate. Donate to the show because there are so many ideas like this whole make me a Jedi thing. I'm going to have to rent movies. I just need a little help. Just a little tiny bit of help. And you can do that in like a million different places. Starting with patreon.com slash after the snap. That has tiers starting at $1 a month, going all the way up to 20 bucks a month where you can join a tier Get the the gift associated with that tier and know that you are helping to bring down production costs and to basically support the podcast and the podcaster. You can also donate by going to mcuafterthesnap.com and clicking on the page where it says donate. And it makes it really easy. It's a little bitty form. It makes it real simple. You can donate there as well. Also, at mcuafterthesnap.com, you can also click on the link at the bottom of the blog, and it will take you to a page where you can tip me. And the tips are $1.99 or $4.99. That's it. That's all. You can choose. Okay, I'll tip her $4.99. Or I'll tip her $1.99. Those things will help me make improvements vast improvements to the show and help me grow and that's all i'm asking for it's just a little bit of help now since we've covered everything that i planned on covering in this episode and i've got nothing else for you i want to thank you thank you thank you thank you for being here for holding me down for being my backbone I want everybody to give your moms the biggest fat hugs, kisses, all the love that you can muster. Give her a pedicure. That's right. Cut her toenails. She's going to love that. And since I've got nothing else for you, I'll catch you on the flip.